Hello, everyone. I'm Danny. The Shart Show. Yeah, and it's oh. been one. It has been We're super delayed. We apologize for the late start on the second episode, but we have had some technical difficulties. Definitely technical difficulties, and we have seemed to have resolved them, though um, I don't think either one of us know how. Yeah, I don't know, but I was so irritated. <laughs> I was like, so glad. I was like, someone's going to die. <laughs> and then they'll be write, someone will be writing a podcast episode about us. Yeah. <laughs> Those two girls who were doing the podcast and one of them snapped and killed someone. Weird. <laughs> yep, that was going to happen. <laughs> oh, oh, but... Um, Satan. I know, and then I feel like because I... Um, expected us to record the other day when we were going to record the, the second episode the first time yeah. I was like prepared and now I'm like wait wasn't I going to say something at the beginning of the episode and now I'm like all over the place but I never know um, <laughs> I was going to say something um, but I don't remember so if I do I'll I'll, I'll toss it in there but Sounds good. yeah so um, super happy with how uh, well received the first episode was everybody had some really great comments and the shares were wonderful so thank you everybody um, and we're excited to finally be doing the second episode <laughs> and um, because everything's been chaotic we have, feel extremely unorganized but Darcy is actually going to lead this one again for this episode and then I will take on the next one so Darcy what are we doing today Woo woo. Um, so we are going to be talking about the Dingman brothers from Rochester, New Hampshire. Okay. I don't actually know. I, like, I feel like I know some of it, but I don't know a whole lot. So this is newer to me. Yeah. I mean, I, so this is my hometown actually. Um, and I was in elementary school when this happened. So I, I remembered hearing about it and then growing up, I remember hearing about more about it, but definitely didn't know as much as I found out. Yeah, let's go then. Let's go. So the Dingman brothers are Robert and Jeffrey Dingman. They were 17 and 14 years old at the time. And spoiler alert, they killed their parents. Um, this happened in February of 1996. Their parents were Vance and Eve Dingman. And they were actually shot with Vance's 22 caliber handgun. Um, so friends and family had described the parents, Vance and Eve, as being hardworking, um, they did strict. They did strict. They did stick to strict <laughs> rules and curfews. That whole English thing again. Uh, Vance was <laughs> an electrician, and Eve worked in customer service at a fabrics plant. Friends and family also said that they appeared to be a normal family. They wouldn't have ever thought that something like this would happen. And they described Robert, the oldest one, as a sensitive child, caring about the feelings of others, including animals. The family had a pug named Emmy Lou Hairless, uh, and oh. reportedly Robert loved that dog. And then at some point, things went south, very, very south. Robert and Jeffrey felt that their parents' rules and curfews were unfair, and in an attempt to fix this issue, they decided to murder their parents. Uh, because that's what normal kids do, I guess, right? And you're, you know, when you get caught, you're not going to have any kind of curfews. Right, exactly. And I know that normal is subjective. So when I say normal, I mean normal as in the average kid who doesn't murder their parents because of perceived unfair rules and curfews, but you know, whatever. Right, right. I mean, so 
I had rules and curfews and I would just not listen to my mom and do what I wanted anyway. I didn't kill her. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's obviously something wrong uh, way deeper than than that. You know, that's not what caused it, obviously, because that's not how normal people behave. So. Right. Like, it, you kind of think that something was brewing for a long time with both of these kids. Right. For whatever reason, I don't know. Um, but anyway, sources report that on the evening of Friday, February 9th in 1996, the boys ambushed their parents as they arrived home from work. Vance was the first to get home and allegedly asked the boys if they wanted to go out for Mexican food before they opened fire and shot him three times with his own gun. Jeffrey, who was then 14 years old, was the first to fire before Robert took over and he allegedly taunted Vance as he shot him two more times. Um, And then they wrapped his body in garbage bags and hid him in the attic. It's so crazy to me because I feel like when you think about things like this happening and then you hear like, like you said, he taunted him before he shot again. And it's like, you'd think at that point, even if someone obviously was not mentally sound, but, but still, I don't know, not so mentally disturbed that they would taunt after they've shot, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't like, you're obviously that unstable that you don't even like have regret after you did it. You know what I mean? Like you'd think, there'd be like a initial like uh oh i i shouldn't have done this sort of a reaction right and or you can't even say that it was like an out-of-body experience or something because you're very much aware of what you're doing if you're taunting the person that you're shooting yeah it's just and it's also just crazy to think that this happened in my hometown and i've driven by that house so many times um it's i'm not sure where it is but um parasite is really um it's pretty uncommon yeah yeah so it's i don't know if you're familiar how familiar you are with rochester but it's by the uh td bank why do i not why can't anyway. i place where that is? Um, <laughs> i'm pretty familiar with it but yeah for some reason oh oh i think i know what you're talking about yeah yeah so it stands out definitely just because of the color that the house is painted now and which is a really bright blue I don't yeah. think it's owned by anyone in the family still. I'm not quite sure, but it's, I've always wanted to stop. Not that I ever would because out of respect for the victims and then out of respect for I know. who live there now, but I've always just been so tempted to stop because it's just, I don't know. It's just crazy. Yeah. I know. It's one of those things. You're, yeah. It's funny how we're always drawn to stuff like that. I know. I know. So shortly after Vance had arrived home, uh, Eve, arrived home and sadly was met with a much similar fate. She was shot two to three times by Jeffrey before the fatal shot to her head, which was from Robert. He also mocked his mother and seemed delighted with their follow through of the plan. They wrapped her body in garbage bags as well. And they hid her in the basement. I can't believe I don't remember this because I'm older than you and I was in the area at the time, but I don't remember it. Yeah. My parents did a good job of shielding me, I suppose. <laughs> but are you only like a year or two older than me? So not. I mean, I'm 38. How old are you? 36. Yeah. So two years. Yeah. Yeah. So I was a little older and, you know, probably right around their age almost. And I was probably in Farmington at the time or Middleton, you know. So this happened in 1996 and my husband graduated yeah. from Spalding in 97. So he actually went to high school with both of them. 
Oh, he did. Yeah. He wasn't friends with them, but he knew, I think he knew the younger one. And then my brother-in-law, I believe was in the same class as uh, Robert, the older one. It's mm. just creepy, creepy, creepy. Well, that's like, um, the Pamela smart thing was at my high school. Yes. And, uh, yeah, and it was before my time there, but it wasn't too much before. And yeah, uh, some people I know knew knew the boys involved. Mm. It's crazy. It is crazy. The, so what? Go ahead. How'd they get caught? What happened after? Well, we'll get to that. So the murders happened on a Friday, and after killing their parents, they cleaned the blood spattered home and used air freshener to cover the smell of death before going to going out to enjoy their parent free weekend. Jeffrey ate some Doritos and played basketball with a friend. Robert peeled off his rubber gloves and went to his girlfriend's house. And that night told his girlfriend that he no longer had a problem with his curfew. Oh, fun. Yeah. So much remorse. Mm, Yes. Oh, I can't even imagine what little, I can't imagine as a parent, like, yeah, I just, I don't even know. It blows my mind that anybody could get to this point, but I know. Um, authorities report that the boys committed the murders with chillingly good humor. Jeffrey had a, apparently asked at one point why Robert got to have all the fun when Robert had told him that he would be the one to shoot their mother. How authorities know about this conversation, I don't know, but that's super fucked up. Like, I don't know if this was something that came out in interrogation or when they were right. their lawyers or whatever, but that's what the authorities allege anyway that was said. Um, so the Monday following the murders, a concerned coworker had, I guess, talked to one or both of the boys. It wasn't very clear in my research, uh, but they had told the coworker that Vance and Eve had gone on a spur of the moment vacation. I feel like that's probably not the best lie, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so with them being such reliable workers, that coworker felt that something was off and had called the police. And initially the police went to Spalding High School to interview Robert. Uh, he said that he didn't know where his parents were at first. And then he asked the the police what the problem was and explained that he was 17 and old enough to take care of his brother when his parents were gone. So he didn't see what the big deal was. Really? Your parents are gone and you don't think anyone is going to question that or be concerned? You don't think anyone's going to expect them right. to come back at some point? Uh, well... <laughs> I don't know, man. I, yeah. So they were at school. They were at school. They went to school. That's cool. So it's, how do you go to school and act like everything's fine? Yeah, it's like they they planned the murders, but then didn't put a whole lot of thought into what they were going to do after. Like you just you go to your girlfriend's house, you hang out with a friend and play basketball. You go to school. You tell people that your parents went on a spur of the moment vacation. You tell other people they don't know where they are. Wouldn't this be more thought through? I don't know. I feel like people either plan out like every little step and forget something major or don't plan out anything. Yeah. I Yeah. It kind of seems like they planned to just murder their parents, but then didn't really think about what the next steps would be after that. <clears throat> Robert did eventually give consent for detectives to search their home and both Robert and Jeffrey waited in the kitchen while the home was searched and detectives found the garbage bags that contained the bodies of Vance and Eve. A detective Gilman had asked what was in the bags in the attic and Robert said he didn't know what they were talking about. 
and they report that um, he seemed very nonchalant and carefree about the whole situation. So this was the same day? Um, so this was the following Monday. So they murdered their parents oh, on Friday, okay. and then that Monday is when the bodies were discovered. Okay. Uh, so at first, Jeffrey denied any involvement, and he was soon labeled as unreliable due to conflicting stories that he told within the first few days. He ultimately did plead guilty and then testified against his brother. So Jeffrey being the younger one, Robert being the older one. Before his plea, his Jeffrey's lawyer said that their defense might focus on battered child syndrome. Uh, and Robert had even reported that his father sometimes punched him in the chest over bad grades and once had hit him in the face. So, I mean, again, maybe there was like a little bit of abuse by yeah. the dad or both the parents or something, but Right. It still doesn't seem like that's near enough to... And you're taking the word of these kids, you know? Yeah, exactly. Robert's lawyer... I mean, I have to imagine something happened to them. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I can't imagine... I don't think that people are just born doing this stuff. I feel like something influences some, you know, these people to do stuff. Yeah, one way or the other. Not yeah. really blame on the parents. It might not influence everyone the same way. You know, I might not see the the you know experience the same kind of trauma from an experience that they had but mm -hmm. something happened yeah exactly and it is weird too that it was both of them like it wasn't just that is i know yeah it's weird it's weird enough if one does but it's weird for sure that they both did yeah i feel like there's another isn't there there's another one what the menendez brothers yes i think that was out they, in california maybe yeah. i could be wrong yeah and they had, me think of that. they had uh, accused their parents of abusing them, yeah. too, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Um, so Robert's lawyers insisted it was Jeffrey who fired all the shots and that Robert had only helped to cover it up. So they're basically pointing the fingers at each other at this point. Um, so it seems like once they got caught, they pretty quickly were willing to turn on each other, which, again, tells me that they didn't plan very well for what to do after the murders. They didn't try to stick stick to any kind of yeah. story that, that made them both innocent or even that someone else might have done it. It just seems like if you're going to commit a murder with someone, you don't then turn on them, especially not that quickly. Like oh my God. I just thought of, um, not that these are funny topics, but I just thought of um, a stand up from Tom Segura and he's talking about the first 48 mm. and he's like, he's like you see these guys and he's like and he's like they just it's like they just they give up at like the easiest thing you know like there'll be an interrogation and they're like someone said they saw you stab this guy in the suit in the convenience store and he's like no i didn't do that and then he's like they said they saw a guy in a red shirt and he goes yeah i stabbed that motherfucker <laughs> he's, like, he's like fucking lie lie longer you know? me. i have a red shirt it must have been me I, yeah, I did. I killed that guy. Exactly. And <laughs> like, then lie for longer. <laughs> and these two committed it together. They committed this murder. So you would think they would be really be in this together and really want to go like deny it for as long as they possibly could. But it, it seems like they really didn't do that. Yeah, this unraveled pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it did. Jeffrey had testified that after he shot his father, Robert took the gun, stood over his father, and said, how about another one before firing? Oh, nice. Robert fired again when both boys noticed their father's arm move as they were trying to fit him in the garbage bag. Oh. 
Oh my god. <laughs> I can't even fathom. No, it's horrible. Uh, Jeffrey also testified that he felt a twinge of regret after firing the first shot into his father when Vance said, I can't believe my own son did this. Oh, there you go. Yep. Yep. And then Robert admitted that it did kind of hurt when his father said that because he wasn't expecting that. I how um, is that? What were you just were hoping he wouldn't speak? But what would you expect if he was able to? Come on, yeah. And I don't know. I don't really buy that he felt hurt at all when his yeah. father said that. Like you just planned to murder him, and you just shot him, and now you're going to tell me that you feel a little bit bad because he said. I, know, right? I can't believe my own son did this like, it's one thing if it's like spur of the moment not planned out self-defense something like that you know different story but not right. if you're planning it in advance and i can't and then you go to school and you're like hey i have no curfew issues now yeah bragging about it yeah your remorse is very clear mm-hmm. yeah i don't i don't buy it don't buy it and if he's if Vance was able to say i can't believe my own son did this he's obviously not dead yet so there was still a point there they could have tried to get him help yeah if, if you they yeah, felt bad if, they felt yeah, any regret and they didn't. Um, was this like hugely talked about because like like around town, I assume? Well did they have the trial locally where do you know? The trial or was they... it was in New Hampshire. I don't I th- yeah. think it was in Stratford County, but I could be wrong. Um Yeah, so it, they stayed pretty local then. Yeah, I so I was like I said, I was in elementary school, so I don't really remember a lot about about this, the whole situation, the trial and everything. I'm sure it was talked about, but it kind of seems like no one really knows about it or talks about it anymore. Like you don't, you don't yeah. ever really hear about it. Yeah. Cause I don't hear about it. Yeah. I was just curious. Cause you know how sometimes when it gets really publicized and people are talking about it, they'll have the trial elsewhere mm-hmm. so that it's not impacted by the jury selection and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it stayed local. Um, I don't remember where my courthouse it was in cause I'm really good at research and noting stuff like that, but no, that's the kind of stuff I don't think about either. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, I don't know. I feel like it was. Guys, we aren't professionals, okay? We're total professionals. You're going to get what you get. <laughs> You're going to get a whole bunch of shark because that's what we do. That's what we do here. So sadly, their mother experienced the same heartlessness from her kids. Uh, Robert had testified that when his mother came home, she began yelling about the stereo that they had turned up so loud, which unbeknownst to her was to drown out the sound of gunshots and Jeffrey yep. testified that Robert fired a few shots into their mother then finished her off by saying die bitch die and shooting her in the head oh lovely he also alleges that the night before the murders Robert had agreed that Jeffrey could shoot their father but Robert wanted to shoot their mother to watch the look on her face oh my god that's so crazy so they planned this out like to the point of having that kind of a conversation how crazy is that yeah and so it seems like robert definitely had more aggression towards his mother because he wanted to be the one to shoot her and kill her look see the look on her face and then he was the one that said die bitch die like that that takes a lot of hatred for somebody yeah especially the look in your face because even when you talk about people who are like serial killers you hear how sometimes that's like one of the things that they try to avoid Mm -hmm. is like eye contact and yeah you know that's why strangulations are considered so like an intimate or Mm -hmm. you know passionate kind of a kill because they're looking at the person you know yeah you have to watch them die 
like literally. And That's and crazy. again, they're saying that they felt some sort of regret or they were hurt after they killed their father because of what he said, but then they still waited for their mother to come home and do the same thing to her. So I call bullshit on them feeling any worse. Yeah. 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 Cause you could stop at that point. They could have pretended someone else did it. Exactly. Tried to hide it or even tried to get help for their dad or whatever, but yeah. they, they did nothing but kill their mom next. Like that, <laughs> that was what they did. They didn't feel bad. No. Yeah. There's no regret there. No. It's disgusting. Uh, court documents report that Robert had stolen money from their parents days before the murders. Uh, Robert had told Jeffrey that their parents knew about the stolen money and that he and Jeffrey could get more money if they killed their parents. Robert asked if Jeffrey would help him, and obviously we know the answer to that question. Sources do document that Vance and Eve had wills, which left their children a little over $200,000 in cash and life insurance. So, the next day, they put on rubber gloves and waited for the parents to come home. Apparently, all of that was worth $200,000. I don't know if they knew that they were would get any money or how much money they would get, but still, I mean, even if they knew it was $200,000, you're willing to kill both of your parents for that? You can't even live off that for the rest of your life. Yeah, no, it's not going to get you very far. But at that age, do they know that? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it seems like so much money. At 14, maybe, maybe not. But I feel like at 17, yeah, I know better. I don't know. Two weeks prior to the murders, Robert had asked his girlfriend if she would still love him if he killed someone. Robert had also bragged to his friends about his plans to kill his parents. It's reported that Robert said, "Jail is life. I could kill my parents, take some money, go to jail, have three squares a day, lift weights, and play basketball." Oh my God, what is wrong? They don't know what prison's like, apparently. Mm, yeah. And I didn't do very good research on that. <laughs> yeah, hindsight's 2020, buddy. Robert's lawyer said that he made these comments jokingly and in the context of his interest in rap music. Uh, no. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> jokingly means the person is legitimately joking about it and they make some like off the wall comment yeah, i mean he actually did it so how much of a joke could it have been exactly you don't actually then do it so his comments aren't just taken out of context and him joking his comments i'm pretty sure are what we call premeditation and at this point they know that they did it right like yeah are we really questioning that right I how mean... can you say it's joking when he actually fucking did it he... <laughs> i don't get well, it i mean no wonder you're New Hampshire lawyers <laughs> yeah your attorney's great he really had your best defense up there best interest in mind <laughs> lord lord have mercy. he was just kidding he was just kidding about killing his parents i know that he did it but he was just kidding about it before <laughs> it was still just a joke but when he did it he wasn't kidding <laughs> weird <laughs> Others have reported that Robert wanted to be in a gang and had talked about doing drive-bys. He told police he considered himself to be a wigger. Oh, God. I forgot about that word. That's so gross. When I saw this in the article that I was reading, I was like, oh, my God. I have to. I have to put it in there. It's so old sounding. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, So, I mean, I I don't know that I would say this is the worst part about the whole thing because the worst part is the fact that both of the parents were murdered, but... It's so bad that it seems like there were so many signs that something was going to happen, especially with Robert. Yeah, so many people could have said something. Yeah. 
so many people could have stepped in and and said something about Vance and Eve and the fact that they weren't safe or that even these comments were being made, but nobody said anything. And that's see, I will so say that up. I know people don't like social media a lot. Like a lot of people don't like social media, but I do feel like that's the one, like one of the few pros of it is that so many more people talk about this kind of stuff. So more people are aware because back then if someone had a, a conversation at school, we didn't even have cell phones. So it's not like you could text your friend later that night and be like, you know what? Bobby said, yeah. you know, like, so there was never that extra, it was like, it was said, and then you were weirded out and then you went home and you forgot about it. Yeah. You, so, you know, the connection that we have more that now it does enable more conversation around stuff. So that I suppose is a pro, not that we're out here solving more crimes, uh, this time in our world <laughs> than we were in the past. Cause we're not, um, go figure, but <laughs> it's kind of kind of weird how that works because you would think it would be the opposite i watched something recently and it and I, it was like a ted talk or something and the guy was talking about how we solve less crimes now than we did like percentage wise mm -hmm. than we did in like the 60s or something and you'd think with all of the technology and dna and all this stuff that we have that that wouldn't be the case but it is yes and i've i've seen something about that recently too but then on the flip side to that there have also been a lot of people who have been wrongfully accused and a lot of people who have gotten out of prison yeah. who were, that were put in prison in the between the, like the 60s and the 80s or even yep. like the 90s. Um, yeah, so they were probably just arresting people to arrest exactly. them. Exactly. So, like, solved. All set, guys. Yeah, air quotes. They solved. <laughs> and Richard Ramirez is like, see you later. <laughs> right. I, I kind of feel like nowadays it's probably harder to falsely accuse someone of something. Yeah. So that's could contribute to why so many crimes aren't being solved i don't know that's just my yeah. theory i have a lot of theories about a lot of things that don't make sense at all so <laughs> but another thing that about this whole situation like so a lot of people have said like their parents probably did abuse them or or whatever but like there's no reports anywhere that either of these kids ever talked about their friends family anyone else about any abuse going on at home, but yet they were telling their friends that they were going to kill their parents. So you would think if there was yeah. some sort of abuse that was that significant, that they would say something to their friends. Yeah. Like their fr at least a couple of friends would have an idea. Right. And I, and if it was like something that was that awful too, you'd think like, like, especially friends, if they had friends that ever used to come over to their house, like they, you know, I've had situations where I've been at friends' houses and I'm like, um, this isn't normal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. as a kid, I remember being weirded out by a couple of friends, parents or the way they interacted and, mm -hmm. you know, taking note on that. So you'd think like over the course of time, especially if it was bad enough that they wanted to kill their parents, that some kid that they grew up with would have been like, I've been there a couple of times and I remember right. a couple of weird things happened, you know, like anything. Yeah. And I couldn't find anything that, that referenced anybody reporting anything was weird or there was any abuse or anything like that. I couldn't find anything showing that there were ever any, there was ever a history of abuse or police even being called to the residents for any situation. So right. you would think if things were that bad, there would be some sort of documented trail. Yeah. And I assume they have neighbors that are relatively close. Uh, yeah. I mean the, the location of their house, it's not in like a super rural area. Like they, 
I don't think I just said that right. But anyway, <laughs> you said it a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait, that was not, that was not the word. Um, the houses are very close to each other. So if there's a lot of screaming and yelling. That's what stuff, I mean. Yeah. Like I think someone would have been like, yeah, we used to hear stuff over there. Yes. Or, you know. Exactly. Yeah. So again, I call bullshit on their whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> in exchange for testifying against his brother, Jeffrey was ultimately sentenced to 30 years with the possibility for parole. And he was granted parole in 2014 after serving almost. I was say, that would have yeah, been around, oh man, that early? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oof. And since 2013, he had been living in a halfway house in Manchester, New Hampshire, which is also a really great place for a lot of. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. A lot of up and coming people. <laughs> since being paroled he has been living with a knot and jeffrey will remain on parole for the rest of his life um i mean kudos to that aunt i don't know if she was the sister of the father or the mother but i don't she know that was I could do sister that. of one of them i mean <laughs> right i i just i don't know if i could do that um Robert was initially sentenced to life without parole but in 2018 his sentence was revised to 40 years there was some sort of sentencing thing that happened in New Hampshire. And of course now I'm going to have a blank and not remember what it was, but basically if they were like under the age of 18, I think it was, they couldn't be sentenced to life. So that's why it was reversed and he was revised to 40 years. Um, And Robert has said that he has been defined by his worst actions. It has changed the way people look at him and the decisions. No shit. He says he lives his life constantly trying to make amends for what he did when he was 17. Really? 17's not that young, dude. No, and I don't think you can make amends for that. It's not like you were charged with manslaughter because you were killing my parents. Like, no shit. It's not like you were 17, got drunk, drove, and ended up killing someone in in an accident because you were drunk. Right. Like, you planned to murder your parents. But at your core, you're a good person. You just fucked up. Yeah, no. Yeah. No, that's not what happened here. Not at all. Some, um, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Some people have said he was 17. He didn't fully understand the significance of his actions. At 17, uh, I 1,000% knew what murder was and yep. the significance of that and that I shouldn't murder people because I don't want to be in prison. Yep. So, no. I don't think even I don't think you can even say that really for a fourteen year old. I mean, no. have they completely matured? No, but do they know it's wrong? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I honestly, my personal opinion is that Jeffrey, the fourteen year old, shouldn't have been ever let out of prison either. I think, I mean, I know that they can't be served, they can't serve life at this point, but he should have at least served the forty years. I don't think he should be yeah. paroled. He yeah, they teamed up, they did it together. He's just as guilty. Yeah. It's just disgusting. So not that this situation is funny at all in any way. It is absolutely not. It's disgusting. What they did is wrong. I don't think any amount of prison time or therapy can rehab someone like that. So I'm not trying to make light of the situation. However, me and my husband are both assholes. And when his kids, so my stepkids were probably like eight and nine, somewhere around there, we had... They had asked us to tell them like a scary story before bed or something. <laughs> and I had this little magnet magnetic device that played like different sounds, random sounds. So you could stick it on the back of something and then it would just play these like 
random creepy sounds. So one of them was a door creaking. One of them was children laughing. Uh, one of the sounds was uh, a male voice saying, hey, can you hear me? Um, and I think there was something else, but I can't remember what it was. So we had we had a, a gun safe in our living room. And I stuck that on the back of the gun safe. And we had a blow-up mattress in the living room for his kids to sleep on or mattresses um, because our apartment was very small, our first apartment together. Um, and so fond memories. Fond memories. So we, I guess we were just really playing off each other. It worked out perfectly. I started telling them about the Dingman brothers who murdered their parents, but I told them, and at this point, I don't believe either one of them had gotten out of prison or had been on parole, but, um, we told them that the Dingman brothers had murdered their parents in Rochester, which obviously was true and that they had both gotten out of jail, but they were hiding or living off the grid in Lebanon, Maine, which is right over the border in Rochester. And because Lebanon doesn't have a police department, they're patrolled by state police. So a lot of people can go to Lebanon and do whatever they want and get away with it. This is what we were telling them anyway. I'm not saying that this is actually true. Yeah. Um, So we even like pulled up Google, like the Dingham brothers showed them an article about them murdering their parents. And we were like, yeah. So the rumor has it that whenever the Dingham brothers are going to commit another murder, you'll often hear children laughing and then you'll hear a voice saying hey can you hear me because it's the parents trying to warn you that somebody somebody's going to get murdered and the Damon brothers are around and one of his kids the younger one had fallen asleep so he wasn't even really listening but um the the i think bry was like eight or nine he was listening to us and he was like so into the story that we were telling him about the Damon brothers he was so creeped out and he kept he kept hearing that magnetic device go off that i had hid and he's like, do you guys hear that? And we're like, no, we don't hear anything. So he was getting freaked out. And he's like, I keep hearing something. We're like, no, like we're not, we don't hear anything. You're just getting freaked out because of what we're telling you. It's fine. So then we, we told him like the rest of the story, you know, whatever, that these are the sounds that you'll hear if the Dingman brothers are near. I was like, but we're like, don't worry. Like they're, they're not actually going to do anything anymore. And so we went to bed <laughs> and we could hear that device still making noises in the living room. And Brian was like, Dad. And then another noise would be like, Dad. And we're both pretending to be asleep. And then we hear the, that thing say, Hey, can you hear me? And Brian was like, Dad. And we hear boom, 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 his little feet running as fast as he can into our bedroom, freaking out. So then we had to tell him that it was a joke, that all of it was a joke, that they're not really going to, no one's coming to kill us. Nothing's going to happen. He's like, how did you do that with Google? We were like, all right, well, the Dingman brothers really did kill their parents, but they're both in jail. <laughs> like They're not actually out. So, I mean, we thought it was hilarious just to scare him like that. Hindsight, that was really fucked up. And we probably shouldn't have done it, but it's something that we still make fun of him for. Oh, man. Yeah, my kids and I'd be like, well, I won't do that because they'll never sleep again. And then I'll never sleep again. So he was he was so mad at us. He wanted to go home. He was like, take me home right now. I'm going to go back to my mom's. We're like, oh, God, what did we do? I was like, you wanted a scary story. (laughs) We gave you the whole experience. Now we just gave you trauma. (laughs) 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 That's scary. Oh, and they're alive and well today. They are, they are alive and well today. I don't know why they don't like me. That's weird. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh boy. So yeah, that's uh that's the Dingman brothers. The Dinky brothers. Yeah, they're awesome. Man, I don't know. I can't imagine if my kids tried to pull that shit. I just can't imagine getting to that point 
where you I just yeah that's why it's like something has to be so but it's like for it to something to be so wrong with both of them mm -hmm. it's so crazy but me and my mom have gotten into the crazy world doozies of fights when I was younger but never never once it yeah. crossed my mind to do anything like that I was just like no all right I'm just gonna do what I want anyway and just piss you off all over again I almost said, yeah, because you're normal. And then I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Definitely wouldn't go that far. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm just not that abnormal. <laughs> go with that. All right. Well, so I wanted to, um, I know you and I had talked about um, wrapping up episodes by covering briefly some missing persons cases, uh, at least locally mm -hmm. to start. And um, I just wanted to uh, explain to some people who are listening why this is how we're going to handle some of them, because one of the biggest challenges when it comes to getting information for a lot of the cases is that if a case is still considered open or cold, a lot of that information is still not presented to the public. So it is hard to get information. So for a lot of missing persons cases, um, you have really limited information that you can research. And um, I will say that I, it's surprising how many missing, missing persons there are in our state of New Hampshire alone, because it's not a big state. And there are still regularly, almost monthly cases being put up on here. Um, yeah. And so, again, with a lot of these, unless there's like Facebook pages that provide information from people who knew the individual, it's really tricky to get information. So we thought that the best way to just get anything out is to just touch on um, an individual for each episode. So um, today I had decided that I was going to uh, cover Nicholas Washburn. Um, his current age is 34. He went missing from Claremont, New Hampshire, and he went missing back on April 10th of 2015. He was 26 at the time. And um, at the time he went missing, he was in a red shirt and black pants. He's got brown hair. Uh, the image in the photo, he's got like a, like a like really closely shaved head. So um, hazel eyes. He was tall. He was 6'3" and um, approximately 180 pounds, white male. Uh, it says here, the subject was last seen near Block Ave around 9 p.m. on uh, April 10th of 2015. His vehicle was later found and had been involved in an accident on Main Street, New Hampshire, Vermont Connector Bridge over the Connecticut River, and he could have been uh, injured or confused at the time. So granted, I haven't done like you know, haven't gone deep to try to find information on this, but again, where it's open, I assume there's pretty limited information. So, yeah. um, but yep, that is what I wanted to cover. I would urge anyone listening to, even if it's like once a month, hop onto your state's missing persons list or, you know, anywhere, you know, you might, maybe you travel between states or something like that, but just hopping on at least once a month to just kind of look over and see if there's anything there that you've maybe not realized you had had been aware of at the time um sometimes all it takes is that one little trigger to remind you that you did see something so mm -hmm. but yep um 
me see here. There's a lot. I mean, we're at 75 here currently in New Hampshire. And I know for some larger states, that's probably not that many. But for this little old state, <laughs> that's a lot. I was surprised by the number. So I was too. Yeah. I, especially since our crime rate and everything is relatively low, especially compared to a lot of other states. So just to have that right. many missing people and then missing people where it's like under suspicious circumstances too. Yeah, I was just going in to see that it's different than ours. So I wanted to try to go in and see like Massachusetts and how many they have. Obviously, they have much bigger cities and stuff. Yeah. So, but it's not set up the same way. So it's a little tougher to find. Like, I don't see like a general number like I do on ours, but I'm curious to know. You know what I mean? Right. I wonder about Maine. Yeah, I mean, Maine's definitely a much bigger state. But similar in like... Area. Yeah, and like the rural aspect and crime, I feel like it's pretty similar. Yeah. So there's 34 in Maine. So yeah, I mean, New Hampshire's is pretty up there for the size of our state. Yeah, actually. And that's like even double. more shocking to hear that compared to Maine. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's Manchester, man. I know. Manchester. There's so many from Manchester on there. It's just that place there are stresses some, me out. There are some really nice places in Manchester. There are some really great. Uh, there are in Manchester, but it seems like that place is going downhill with it's a crazy. quickness. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Yeah, but yeah. Um. So that's all I have for that. Um. Yeah, I mean, I know, I I think in the beginning, what I was uh, trying to remember was how I had been thinking about our first episode, and it was very humor filled. And I feel like a lot of the episodes that we might cover that are, you know, maybe of the paranormal nature, things like that, those will be a lot easier to joke around with. But I just want to make sure that people listening know how serious we do feel about these the true crime cases that we'll cover. Um, Darcy and I definitely have talked a lot about how we could at some point, hopefully in the future, if this podcast uh, goes well, you know, figure out ways that we can contribute to different kinds of organizations or creating our own organization that helps with things like this. So, yeah. um, you know, whatever, whatever any person can do is great, but I know sometimes when people joke around, it can be taken the wrong way. I also feel like sometimes having a good palate cleanse before or after uh, can definitely help. Some people relate to humor. You know, I just want to make sure that everybody listening knows that we don't find these situations funny. You know, we know that they're not humorous. Um, we just have that kind of personality. So yeah, we're both douchebags is what she's saying. <laughs> I'm trying to say it nicely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> trying, uh, we're nice douchebags. Trying, trying to say it nicely. <laughs> um, but yeah, so please don't think that we don't take it seriously because we absolutely do. Um, but whatever it takes to get people to listen and pay attention is is important. So I'll even sing if that's what will get people to listen. But I'm pretty sure if I start singing, nobody will listen. So. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so, um, well, thank you, Darcy. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Um, we'll have to try to figure out, and I don't know if anybody has um, any suggestions, but if it'd be 
like ideal if we did like a rotation between like true crime and paranormal or other bizarre things and then back to you know like if we did every other or but then we wouldn't each we'd each like maybe we'd do two crime two paranormal we could do that we could do that it's the like short show goes. yeah it's true it's just a big old shardy mess it is a shardy mess <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get there we'll get there <laughs> lord have mercy. all right <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I guess that'll do it for this uh, episode, huh? All right, yeah. Right? And there's my d bag dog. Cut. <laughs> cut. And cut. And <laughs> scene. <laughs> Voila, enough. Okay, all right. Okay, bye. Bye.